All right, well, good evening. Man, so many familiar faces in the room tonight. This is gonna be a lot of fun. So my name is Matt McLeod, and this is my wife, Emily. And tonight we're gonna talk about finances. And what I was really excited about when Courtney talked to us about doing this was not just talking about finances from a family perspective, like the parents, but what does finances mean for the whole family? And what we've done really just as a family together, which has bled over into our finances, but there are very few things that we keep secret from our kids as far as what's going on in our day-to-day life. Um, I didn't ask permission, but forgiveness is better than permission. Jake told me that one time. Um, it did. In the last two weeks, Emily and I probably had, we've been married 16 years. We dated for about three years before that, 17, getting close. You know, you know, I'm, I'm not great at finances, money, you know, whatever. Um, so about 20 years of our relationship, and probably about a week and a half ago, we had the most intense, longest fight that we've ever had. I mean, it was like, not longest, like a couple hours, like days. Like, every time she looked at me, I just felt like she never wanted to see me again. You know, all those kind of things. It was, t- it was bad. And our kids the whole time, like, Wesley's laughing right now over there. We made our kids come in here tonight. Um, and one day, Wesley came out. And I was like, man, hey, Wesley, how are you doing? He's like, well, Dad, I'm great. How are you doing? You and Mom are not in a good place right now, you know, like, out of his care. And, like, and our family's pretty open, you know. And so that just kind of sometimes has worked really, really well. Sometimes it's got into conversations. It's like, ooh, maybe we should have waited about another 16 years <laughs> to talk about this. But when it comes to the finances of our family, it's been great. Because now as our kids begin to have their own money, it's just allowed us to have more conversations and deeper understanding. Even the point where Olivia, she's our oldest, she's 13, um, she's not in here tonight, but she now runs two different businesses that she started on her own. And she came to me one day and she says, Dad, I have $400, I need to do something with it. And I was like, wow, why do you need to do something with it? Well, I hear you and mom talking all the time about your finances and planning for the future, so maybe I think I should. You know, so I think as parents sometimes we just, forget, at least I do, of how just being open with our kids and having conversations with our kids can plant those seeds that the word talks about that can do so much for them for the rest of their life. And so that's what I want to do tonight. Like, obviously, in even though we do have a lot of time in about 90 minutes, there's only so much we can cover and go over. Um, but what we want to do tonight is maybe take a look at, at four different areas that we believe the Bible talks about finances. Um, this is not a biblical theology class. We are going to talk about some verses the Bible talks about, but then we'll get real practical. Like, how do we live this out? If we understand what the word is telling us to do, okay, now what do we do with that information, um, especially with us as parents, with our kids? Now, Emily has been a teacher for, thanks, sweetheart. Uh, Emily's been a teacher for a long time, long time. Um, I've <laughs> taught, I coach, I do different things. And, and one thing that Emily and I don't like are those old school classrooms where two people j- or one person just stands at the front and lecture the whole time. So here's my challenge. Come up with great questions, right? doesn't matter if you're an adult in here who knows everything that you know or you're E.J. McLeod who's six <laughs> and doesn't know very much at all. Um, we want to have conversation tonight. We want to have discussion as we go through. Um, Emily, what do you have to add? There we go. Okay. Um, I'm so excited to be here with you guys tonight. Uh, like Matt said, I have been a teacher for a long time, and it's so fun to teach adults and kids together. That's a special that's a special opportunity. I actually teach a high school economics course. Um, and so, but this is like 
dream come true. This is just a treat to have our kids in here and all of you guys and your kids in here and to talk through this together. So like Matt said, we are an open book um, with our kids and really just in life, we're pretty transparent. So if you have any questions, we'll answer just about anything. Children of the McLeod family, you know, <laughs> ask, ask good questions. <laughs> like, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, but we're just glad you guys are here. And, and like Matt said, we're super excited to, to jump in. Love it. First time that we're having a little group activity. So tonight, uh, parents, you have some um, an outline that's a little different from what your kids have. Same information, but the kids have much less. So students, if you're a kid in here tonight, um, if you look on the sheet of paper that you have, you'll see some blanks. So as Emily and Matt are talking tonight, you'll probably hear some things and maybe fill it in. And now parents, your sheets of paper already have all the blanks filled in. So if they miss one, you can help them out. Parents, we really want to give you more space to take notes or write things that might help and work with your family. Um, if everybody looks at their first page, we're going to talk. We're going to start talking about what does the Bible say. And you'll see there's a question on your sheet of paper right here. And you don't have to write anything down, but here's what we're going to do. On your row, so whatever row you're sitting on, just your single row, there needs to be one conversation or two conversations, depending on the, how many people in the row and how big you want your group. But for the next two minutes, talk about what are two or three things that the Bible says about our finances. Now, you don't have to have scripture, in ver like chapter and verse, but just have a conversation for two minutes. What are some of the things that, that you are aware that the Bible says about finances? Go ahead and have that conversation right now. All right, guys, one minute. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to wrap it up. And listen, this is not the last time we're going to do this tonight. So if it makes your life easier, if you just kind of want to bend your row a little bit so that your rows are kind of in like semicircle form, if that's easier, feel free. Because um, this is not the last time we're going to do this tonight. All right, I am going to start. You know, the Bible talks more about money, actually, than just about any other topic. And I know sometimes as a church or as churches, we shy away, and I'm thankful that we're in a church that doesn't do that, but um, we want to dig into the Word and talk about what the Word says, and it's way more than we could cover tonight. So I'm going to read you one of my favorite passages um, that the Bible, what the Bible says about money, and we're going to talk about it for just a second. So you might be more familiar with the second section of this scripture, but maybe you haven't put it together that these two sections go together. I'm reading from Matthew 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. 
That is why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life. So why is Jesus telling us, this is Jesus speaking, why is he telling us not to worry about our everyday life? Because we cannot serve both God and money. So the way to devote our hearts to the Lord instead of devoting our hearts to money is to choose not to worry um, about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a moment to your life? And then he talks about the lilies and the wildflowers and how they're dressed so beautifully. He says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And I think, um, again, we in Western society in the United States can get so wrapped up in stuff. It's easy. And we kind of feel like, well, we do have this burden. I have to pay my bills and I have to budget. And we're going to talk about all of those things. Um, just to give you a quick second of background on our life. When Matt and I got married 20, well, 17 years ago, um, the first month of our marriage, I made my Excel spreadsheet budget. I made him turn in all receipts. I told him forever and ever, every time you spend money, you will turn in a receipt to me. And I would take the receipts and enter them into our Excel spreadsheet. And so, and I think I turned in four total receipts <laughs> before we moved on to a, a different process. Fight. It was bad. It was bad. Before I finally started just pulling things off of our bank balance, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyways, I would enter these receipts. And so I have for the first... 15 years of our marriage, I spent, I took, kept track of every single penny that came in and every single penny that went out. And when you do that, which there's a part of that, that stewardship and responsibility, and we're going to talk about that, there's also a part of it that makes you feel like you can be in control. And by keeping track of everything, that I now control my finances. And in the end, I do not control our finances. The Lord is our source, and the Lord is the one who takes care of us. And so that, I think, for me has been the biggest thing that I have learned throughout just growing up um, and realizing I'm still going to be diligent. I'm still going to do my part. I'm still going to be disciplined. But in the end, my trust is in the Lord. My trust in not, is in my, not in my own spreadsheet <laughs> or in my own system, you know? So. That's good. Really good. Before I share my thought on what the Bible says about finances, I'd love to hear one or two things that you all talk about, that we talk about as a group. And so one thing that I love to do is just provide opportunity for anyone to speak up who has it. And I'm also really good at calling people out. And so we're going to start there. So Wesley McLeod. Wesley, what is one thing that your group talked about that the Bible says about finances? Um. <laughs> that it says that the poor beggar, if the poor beggar gives all he has and the rich man gives more than the poor beggar, it says that because the beggar is giving all he has, then he's giving more than the rich man. Yeah. I love it. And so, Wesley, what does that mean to you? That like, not, not mean to you, like, how do you interpret it? Like, how does that affect your life in 2021? <laughs> um, that I could give more and spend less. Really good, really good. I just learned something. And I think it's great. You know, as parents sometimes, I think we need, we've, at least I do. I'm all, when I say we as parents, I'm talking about Matt McLeod. I feel like I have to have all the answers. You know, like I have to come to, to Wesley and to Boyce and to Elizabeth and to Olivia and say, okay, I know everything. I have the 27,000 verses that talk about finances. And I'm going to say everything in this plan and we're going to do it. When really, 
you think about how much we learn as adults just by processing information, right? And studies prove that you actually learn more when you get things wrong than when you get them right. And so just having conversations as parents with our kids, whether we have the answers or not, um, and so many times our kids are actually smarter than us because they're the ones that say, well, why don't we just Google that? <laughs> you know, like we'll talk about compound interest tonight in investing. And like, oh, I don't, what does that mean? Google, Siri, ask her. She'll let us know what's going on. Um, one verse that has spoken a lot to me about finances, and really it's not a verse that I think I've heard related to finances very often, but it really struck me, especially preparing for this. In 1 Timothy 5.8, it says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I'll read the first part of that again. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And I know as a dad slash man, right, going back to the, the old, I am man, I provide, that whole thing that we've been taught for so many hundreds of years. It was like, man, I have to make a certain amount of money to make sure my family's provided for it. And we have, I mean, we live, in West, we live in the western part of the world and we live in the U.S. And I got to have a certain car and I got to wear certain kind of clothes and have certain kind of shoes and all these things. But then the more I really dug in that verse, you know, not being a theological scholar, but it doesn't say that you have to provide finances. It doesn't say provide wealth and riches. But when I begin to read provide for my family, well, maybe it's provide information, right? Provide what they need and who they are. Because if we think about, we know for our kids, right, at some point, everyone, we have to make our own decision when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. But as parents, we're called to develop that foundation, Right, give them the, 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 that take off that ramp where if they choose to follow and, and spend the rest of their life serving the Lord, they're prepared for it. I think the same thing is true for finances. You know, I, I'm pretty sure with my four kids, and I could be wrong, I could guess right now, um, we won't bet. We're not talking about gambling tonight, but we could bet on my four kids um, which ones are going to make a certain amount of money, which ones are probably going to make less because they're going to go live in a foreign country and, and serve the world one day. Um, but it doesn't matter if my kids are going to make $10,000 a year or $10 million a year. It's just my job as their dad and us as their parents to provide the understanding so that they have the information, they know what the Bible says, and, and some steps. Um, Emily, why don't you take us to the first step that we have for tonight? Okay. Uh, we are going to jump into budgeting. Um, I did want to say one other quick thing before we move on, um, and that is that we believe in tithing. Tithing is in the word, and we actually, Matt and I, have loved to be able to go beyond tithing and to even give sacrificially and give, it, give above and beyond that, and God has shown up over and over and over again in our marriage. Um, and if there's one thing that's true about our adult life and our marriage together, it has just been God's miraculous provision for our family over and over and over again. Whether or not we do everything right, God has showed up, and we have been faithful to give. Um, and so we're, this is not, we're not going to spend a ton of time on tithing. Uh, the Blessed Life by Robert Morris, if you're looking for a book or a resource about uh, giving is, I think, a really good one, um, and I know Pastor Josh and Sarah have others probably that they recommend, but um, anyway, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that, but we're going to go, ba we're like, as we talk about budgeting and as we move forward, we're basing the assumption off of a 10% tithe, um, but again, for sure, that's like the baseline, and then we've we've just, we've loved watching God show up for us, so um, sweet. Okay, well, let's jump into the first section, which is building the foundation with a budget. Building the foundation with a budget. Um, so the question is, how do I budget and where do I even start? And parents, you can talk to your kids about that a little bit more at home. We are going to start out actually with a book today. Um, and this is one of my favorite books, Alexander, Who Used to Be Rich Last Sunday. 
So this is only going to take a couple minutes. So if you're big in here and you're like, what in the world? She's reading us a book. It's not long. Um, and it's really good. So even Gus and Wesley, I think you're going to enjoy it. Okay. Are we ready? Brisbane. Who's old back there? Caden. Caden, you're going to like this book. Okay. You ready? It isn't fair that my brother Anthony has $2 and three quarters and one dime and seven nickels and 18 pennies. I didn't bring that. Sorry. It's okay. You want to be the page turner? Okay. Um, the cover's coming off. This is, an, this is an old book. You guys, it's such a good book. That's right. Okay. It isn't fair that my brother Nicholas has $1 and two quarters and five dimes and five nickels and 13 pennies. It isn't fair because what I've got is bus tokens. And most of the time, what I've mostly got is bus tokens. And even when I'm very rich, I know that pretty soon what I'll have is bus tokens. I know that because I used to be rich last Sunday. Last Sunday, Grandma Betty and Grandpa Louie came to visit from New Jersey. They brought locks because my father likes to eat locks. They brought plants because my mother likes to grow plants. They brought a dollar for me and a dollar for Nick and a dollar for Anthony because, Mom says it, is it nice to say this, we like money. <laughs> my father told me to put the dollar away to pay for college. He was kidding. Anthony told me to use the dollar to go downtown to a store and buy a new face. Anthony stinks. Nikki said to take the dollar and bury it in the garden, and in a week, a dollar tree would grow. Ha, ha, ha. Mom said if I really wanted to buy a walkie-talkie, save my money. Saving money is hard. Because last Sunday, when I used to be rich, I went to Pearson's Drugstore and bought bubble gum. After the gum stopped tasting good, I got more gum. And after that gum stopped tasting good, I got more gum. And even though I told my friend David I'd sell him all the gum in my mouth for a nickel, he wouldn't buy it. Goodbye, 15 cents. Last Sunday, when I used to be rich, I bet that I could hold my breath till 300. Anthony won. I bet that I could jump from the top of the stoop and land on my feet. Anthony won. I bet that I could hide this purple marble in my hand, and my mom would never guess which hand I was hiding it in. I didn't know that moms <laughs> made children pay. Goodbye, another 15 cents. I was absolutely saving the rest of my money. I was positively saving the rest of my money, except that Eddie called me up and said that he would rent me his snake for an hour. I always wanted to rent a snake for an hour. <laughs> Goodbye, 12 cents. Anthony said, when I'm 99, I still won't have enough for a walkie-talkie. Nick said, I'm too dumb to let loose. My father said, there are certain words a boy can never say, no matter how mean his brothers are being. My father fined me five cents for saying them. Goodbye, dime. <laughs> Last Sunday, when I used to be rich, by accident, I flushed three cents down the toilet. A nickel fell through the crack when I walked on my hands. I tried to get my nickel out with a butter knife and also my mother's sisters, my mother's scissors. Goodbye, eight cents, and the butter knife and the scissors. Last Sunday, when I used to be rich, I found this chocolate and this chocolate bar just sitting there. I rescued it from being melted or smushed, except the way I rescued it from being melted or smushed was that I ate it. How was I supposed to know it was Anthony's? Goodbye, 11 cents. I absolutely was saving the rest of my money. I positively was saving the rest of my money. But then Nick did a magic trick that made my pennies vanish in thin air. The trick to bring, bring them back, he hasn't learned yet. Goodbye, 4 cents. Anthony said that even when I'm 99, I still won't have enough money for a walkie-talkie. Nick said that they should lock me in a cage. My father said there are certain things a boy can never kick, no matter how ratty and mean, mean his brothers are being. My father made me pay five cents for kicking it. Goodbye, Nickel. Last Sunday when I used to be rich, Cody, 
or Kathy looked around the corner. Kathy around the corner had a garage sale. I positively only went to look. I looked at a half-melted candle. I needed that candle. I needed that bear with one eye. I needed that bear. I looked at a deck of cards that was perfect, except for no seven of clubs and no two of diamonds. I didn't need that seven or that two. Goodbye, 20 cents. I absolutely was saving the rest of my money. I positively was saving the rest of my money. I absolutely positively was saving the rest of my money, except I needed to get some money to save. I tried to make a, to a loose tooth fall out. I could put it under my pillow and get a quarter. No loose teeth. I looked in Pearson's telephone booths for nickels and dimes that people sometimes forget. No one forgot. I, I brought some non-returnable bottles down to Friendlier's Market. Friendly's Market wasn't very friendly. I told my grandma and grandpa to come back soon. Last Sunday, when I used to be rich, I used to have a dollar. I do not have a dollar anymore. I've got this dopey deck of cards. I've got this one-eyed bear. I've got this melted candle and some bus tokens. And that is the sad end of the story of Alexander, who used to be rich last Sunday. So as we can all see, what happens when we don't have a plan for our money, what happens to it? We spend it. It's gone. It disappears, right? When you don't have a plan for your money, it's gone. So when we say the word budget, I think sometimes we think like, oh, this seems overwhelming or this seems scary. But really, all it is is a plan for your money. Either before you get it, which is probably even better, or as soon as you get it, you make a plan for what you're going to do with your money. So I actually am going to pass out. Okay, Matt's going to pass out. Um, we're going to do a little budgeting activity. So we're going to take a little break. And kids, I have a easy, sorry, an easy budgeting activity. So if you're like six or seven, Matt will give you one. If you're more like, you know, elementary, upper elementary, and you want to have a little bit more of a serious one, we have two choices. You can just give them, yeah, they can choose. Great. Okay, you can go ahead, as soon as you get this, you can go ahead and start working on it. If you have the Make a Choice page, you have just received $5 as a gift. You can buy any of the items shown below. Circle the items you want to buy, and then you're going to add up the money that you spent. Okay, so go ahead and get started on that. So you have five dollars. All right, so we're going to work on this for about two more minutes, and you may or may not finish it, but then we're just going to stop and talk about where you're at.
Okay, we're going to work on this for one more minute, and you can always finish at home. All right, we are going to wrap it up, and you can take this home and finish it. But I'm going to ask Sunny, Sunny, can you tell me one thing that you chose to buy on this list? Can you tell me one thing that you chose to buy? A kite. A kite. And Sunny, why did you choose to buy the kite? I chose to buy the kite because... I like to use them in the summer when it's windy outside and they float in the air and it's fun to use. Great. Okay, so Sunny enjoys kites. Sunny, here's my second, third question for you. Do you think that you need a kite or do you want a kite? I probably just want a kite. <laughs> okay, I agree. And here's the thing about budgeting when you're a kid. Guess what? Most of what you're going to spend your money on is probably things that you want. Right? Who provides for your needs? Your parents, right? So, God, yes, God. So, what is so fun about budgeting when you're a kid is you really get to just choose to spend money if you spend it on things that you want. When you're a grown up, guess what, kids? You have to spend money on the things that you need before we spend money on the things that we want, right? Um, so, how do you decide what to spend money on and what not to? Do I have anybody else that would like to just share one thing they chose to buy over something else? Noah. Uh, some crowns. Okay. Instead of what else? Um, a football. Okay. Why did you choose to buy the crayons instead of the football? Because it was cheaper and I would have nothing else to spend. Okay, I got it. So he's looking at the prices. He's making decision based on price. And he's probably making priorities, right? Because you only have a limited amount of money, right? And so when you have a limited amount of money and you have unlimited things available to you that you want, you've got to prioritize and make an order of the things you want or need the most. Does that make sense? Okay. So um, I'm going to kick it back to Matt really quick, and we're going to talk about goals for just a second. Absolutely. And one thing I know as parents that we understand is, and I, this was, I'll never forget this quote that I heard all the, the statement phrase I heard all the time growing up, man, there's more month left at the end of our money, right? Like that's what, I just remember hearing that um, older adults and like at our church, different places just always saying that they always ran out of money before they ran out of month. Um, and so I always thought, I just remember growing up thinking like, okay, well, whatever you get, that's what you spend, Right? And it was never really explained to me what that meant or, or how the planning went. And so one thing that we've really tried to do as parents with our kids is help them understand if they want something, okay, let's build that in. Um, I'm sure as, as I was snooping on different kids' sheets as I walked around, right, it seems like many of the kids in this room get some kind of allowance, right? Whether it's just because you're part of the family, whether it's because you do chores, whatever it is, there's some amount of money, right? In our family, typically it's your age. However old you are, that's how many dollars you get every month as we go through. Um, again, the receipt Nazi over here. It's a tight ship in the McLeod house. And so, um, but as we went through, we would talk about, okay, what are some of the things that you want, right? Maybe it's a kite. Maybe it's a football, but that's all the money that you have. Hey, how can we make a plan? 
And so it's been really cool just to see with our kids to help them make a plan. Like I'll never forget when Olivia was eight or nine, she wanted an American Girl doll for her birthday. And we're like, hey, sweetheart, that is awesome. Mom and dad are not spending $150 on a doll for your birthday. <laughs> that's not in the budget. And so what she wanted to do was, was do it. And so she told people in her life that's what she wanted for her birthday. And so she got some money. I think she had about 50 or $55, a little bit more by the end. But then she's like, well, dad, I, I want more. Right? I mean, I need more in order to get what I, the thing that I want. And so we start talking about, well, okay, if this is your goal, but you don't have enough money in your month to meet that goal, how can you begin to do additional things? Right, and it was great because, I mean, as a dad, I thought I was so smart. I had all these ideas of how she could make extra money and get it. And over this four-month process, we were going to build it out. And in two weeks, she had the money because she just started asking people to do chores. Right, and of course, a cute eight-year-old girl, a lot of people can say yes, especially when grandma's in town for the birthday and different things. But it was just a great opportunity to show an example. Hey, you want something that doesn't fit in that budget that you have how can you replace it or how can you bring more? And so kids, here's what I'm asking you to do right now. On your sheet of paper, somewhere under that number one, you'll see where it says my one thing. It says, in what areas of my life do my priorities and my spending not line up? And so parents, that's a little more of a question for us to consider. But kids, here's what I want you to do. And kids, you can either write this down or you can just talk about it with the people on your row. Let's say that you want something. Um, Gabby. Gabby, what is something that you want right now that you just don't have the money to buy? A hoverboard. I love it. So here's what Gabby needs to do. Right now, Gabby needs to begin to begin to think of some ways, whether she writes them down or talks about it with her family, how she could begin to bring more money into her personal, you know, whether it's a bank account, your pocket, Gabby, whatever it is. But what are some creative ways that, because right now, are you getting enough money from your parents to buy a hoverboard tomorrow? Okay, good. If you said yes, we're going to have a conversation with your parents about that because I need you, know, right? Yeah. So have a conversation. Kids, what is one thing you want that right now you probably don't have the money for? But what are some creative ways that you could build a plan out to have the money to buy that thing? Go ahead and talk about that right now. About 40 more seconds, 40 more seconds to talk.
We've got 10 seconds. So if there's one kid that hasn't shared yet, now it's their turn. 10 more seconds. All right, go ahead and wrap up your conversation right there. Love it. Love it. Okay, now we're going to transition into number two on our list for this evening. The second thing that we're going to talk about is what it means to actually save money or to intentionally save money. I know that's something we probably hear all the time, whether we're six or closer to 60 in this room, right, the importance of saving. So the question is there, and instead of doing a group conversation, I'm going to ask for a couple of people just to answer. In your opinion, how would you answer this question? So the question is this. And parents, you will have to answer this too, so be ready. Why is it important for me, right, and me might be a parent in the room, me might be a child in the room, but why is it important for me to intentionally save money each month, each month? Mm, because life happens. I like that. I like that. What are the kids in the room? Kids, anybody have an answer? Like, why do you think it's important for you to save money? Wait, yeah, once you start thinking, just raise your hand because I'm waiting for about seven or eight hands to go up and then I'm going to call on somebody. Why is it important? Just think about it. And it's okay if you're not sure. Why is it important? Why is it important? Let's see. Who should we call on? Yes, ma'am. What's your name? Remind me of your name. Brisbane. Brisbane. Yeah, Brisbane. Why do you think it's important for you to intentionally save money? So I can go to college. Mm, I like that. I like that. Big goals to go to college. Boyce, you have a loud voice. Tell us. <laughs> and let, so, I'm gonna, so I don't end up like Alexander in the book. I like that one. I like that one. We have a hand up here in the front row. EJ, what do you got? Um, wait, what was the question? Mm, we'll come back to you later. Sonny, you have your hand up. Why should you save money, Sonny? To give. To give. So, Sonny, what's one thing that maybe you would like to give to? Like, what do you want, where do you like to give your money to? Ooh, Jesus, I like that, I like that. All right, now since we have Pastor Josh Romano in the room, I'm going to ask Pastor Josh. Why, why, is important, why is it important to intentionally save money? the unexpected. Uh, any final answers? Any final people who want to answer that question tonight? EJ, you have your answer now. What is it, girl? Oh, to tithe. I like that. You want to save your money so you can tithe. Uh, nice. I like it. For the last 20 minutes, let's just tie, like around your neck. But we, we, we broke through that conversation. That's good. Um, so, yes, to all of those things. And I think also another reason why it's so important as parents for us to teach this concept to our kids is so that they can do a better job than we did. You know, like I, I can look back and know, I know that I'm doing a better job than my parents did, but I want my kids to do a better job than I'm doing. 
And so that's why I think it's, it's so important. So number one there, you know, it says save early. So kids, as you're following your outline, number one is save early. If you can hear my voice right now, you are old enough to save money. That's the way it works. You don't have to wait until you have a job. And some of us don't like saving as much as others. That's why my younger son has his hands over his ears literally right now because he loves spending money. Boy Snows on the first day of every month he's going to get his $8. And he typically has already planned out in his head what he's going to buy with those $8. And so those are conversations. It's great for us to have those conversations because we always want more. So saving early. Um, Here's what I think here, kids, listen to me right now. This is not going to make sense in the moment, but it will. Hmm, ooh. I'm going to ask at, mm, Gus. I'm going to come to you, Gus, on the spot. Gus, tomorrow night, I'm going to take you out anywhere that you want to eat. Anywhere. Where would you choose to go eat? It can be in Oklahoma City. It can be in a different city you've gone to before. Like, we're going anywhere we want to go eat. Where do you want to go eat? Ooh, Papado's. I like Papado's. Why didn't you say McDonald's or Burger King? Because oh, it's pretty not good. I like no wrong answers, Gus. No wrong answers. So, Gus, let me ask you this: Why do you like Papado's better than McDonald's? If you have choice. I like it. So, Gus, let me ask you this. Let's compare the wait times. Do we have to wait longer for our food at McDonald's or at Papado's? Mm, but we want it now, right? So let's just go to McDonald's. Ooh, way better than McDonald's. And I think that's important, kids in the room, and sometimes for us as adults to remember that. Sometimes the long game is way more worth it, right? It's way more worth it. Right? There's a difference between that burrito that I eat in the microwave at 2 o'clock in the morning when I'm not sleeping and I'm watching a Netflix show versus going to Papado's. Right? Emily and I got to go away last weekend, and we went to Houston and Papacito's, same chain, is one of our favorite places. And there's a reason why we would go to Papacito's every Wednesday, besides the fact it was family night when we lived in Houston and it was a little bit cheaper, but we love the food. And so would we sacrifice other nights and maybe have eggs, a couple of meals, or peanut butter and jelly, a couple of meals, so we could have that Papacito's? Absolutely. And so that's my encouragement for you kids as you're listening right now. It's so great to save so when the cool stuff comes along, like an opportunity to go get a, pop, a Papacitos or a Papados, we haven't just lost all of our money and have to go to a place like McDonald's. Mm. Emily, why don't you, uh, let's jump, I'll come back to number two. Why don't you talk about number three, save automatically. Okay, number three is save automatically. And so we have found that for us, if we save at the end of the month, we think, oh, here's my budget, and I'm just going to save what's left. At the end of the month, there's nothing left to save. But for some reason, at the beginning, if our, in, if our savings comes automatically out of our checking account and gets put into our savings account or gets put into an investment, it's going to happen, right? Because I'm not going to go through the channels to, like, stop the automatic transfer. Like, no, I just know it's coming out, and I budget on what's left. And that's why the Bible says, you know, God tells us to give our first fruits. We give to God first, and then we save, and then we spend what's left. And so the order is important, and the automatic part is important because of three reasons I was going to mention. It takes out the temptation to spend it on something else, right? So we get rid of the temptation. It makes it a priority, 
Um, and also, you're building a safety net for emergencies um, that is set aside for when life happens, right? Um, and we never think an emergency is going to happen, so who wants to save for an emergency? Nobody, because we're, we're never going to have an emergency, <laughs> but yes, we always, we always do, though. Um, the thing is, when you have the savings for it, it's not nearly the emergency that it is if you're not prepared for it. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say, just a really quick side note for us, um, and there's tons of different things out there. We've used Greenlight, which does give our kids an automatic allowance every month because I used to do it. What is Greenlight? Greenlight is an app um, that you pay for once, and then it, your kids get like a debit card, but it's under your complete oversight, and we can automatically move. They move their money as soon as they automatically get their allowance, because I used to deal with dollar bills and envelopes, and guess who never had the right change and the right dollar bills? Me, right? So Pastor Sarah actually recommended that app to us, and that's what we've used, and then they're out of their allowance. They automatically save and give straight into, like it can divide their account into different categories. And so it's all automatic and it's really helped us as a family um, and it's helped our kids because it just happens automatically. It's so. good. It's good. So kids, if you're following along right there underneath, that was number three, which is save automatically. If you need help spelling words, ask your parents. All right, let's go back to number two real quick. And as I talk about save, number two is save something. You know, I know one thing that I learned as I was 18, 19 years old and out of my own and about 2,000 miles away from my parents, is I thought I didn't have enough money to save. I thought as a college kid who was struggling to, to do things, like I needed every piece of money I have. But parents, I think it's so great that we can teach our kids, even at young ages, that they can save something. And I think it's biblical. So I'm going to read Proverbs 21.5. Here's what Proverbs 21.5 says. The plans of the diligent lead to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. One more time. The plans of the diligent lead to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. You know, as I read that verse, it doesn't say that you have to save $1,000 a week or you have to save $10,000 a year. It's diligence, right? Diligence is doing the same thing over and over and over again. And the other word that I see in that second part of the sentence is hasty, right? We are hasty when we don't have a plan, when we just do things that come our way. So I think it's so important for us as parents to help our children see that saving something is important. Um, they'll help them to get that out over the long haul. So you'll see down at the bottom, my one thing. And, and that question is, what can I give up in the present in order to save for my future? Yeah, Emily, go ahead. One thing that Matt asks our kids regularly is, um, what do you want now versus what do you want most? What do you want now versus what do you want most? And it's that whole, like, do I want McDonald's right now because I'm starving, or do I want to wait for the Papados? And so I just think that's a good question that you asked. Yeah, so before we move on to section number three, go ahead and fill that out on your sheet of paper. If you want to have a conversation with those around you, go ahead and do that. But what is something, parents, kids, that you can give up right now in the present in order to be able to save more for your future? Go ahead and have that conversation and write it down right now.
30 seconds, 30 more seconds. Ten seconds left. Ten more seconds. Oh, that's so tough. I don't know if I can do that. Give up, Jake's talking about giving up Chick-fil-A up here. Oh, geez. Okay, go ahead and wrap up your conversations right there. Put a pause on them. I like it. So, parents, parents, before we go on to number three, I want to say one more thing about number two, talking about saving. One thing that Emily and I have learned, and I'm sure we've all learned this with our kids at some point, but just making the connections, every kid needs different help, right? Every one of our kids needs help in different ways. And so really specifically, even when it comes to saving, um, one of my kids, which will remain, remain nameless, I don't have to work with them at all on, on saving money. I actually have to probably ask them to spend money. Like, you work way too hard, and you never enjoy yourself, right? You're always thinking about what's next, what can I do in two months, what am I giving towards, and all those things are great, and we love it, but we understand the importance of, of enjoying the fruits of our labor as well. That's, some, that's biblical. But then I have another child who has to get every purchase approved by their father before they can spend their money. Because the amount of time to spending ratio, like we would go to five below and we'd spend $5 on, a, on some, uh, typically a remote controlled something that would last for less than five minutes. And so the conversation was this, hey, listen, just like with your eating habits and with your sleeping habits, if you can't make great decisions for yourself, that's where I get to come in because God has told me as your father, I need to help you make those great decisions. And so, parents, I think that's the goal for all of us is get to the point where we can help them understand so they can be able to make those decisions on their own. Um, and for some of them, it be early on. And for some of us, it may be much later. I have a brother who was like 27 before those decisions started to roll in correctly. Um, but it doesn't matter. It's being consistent who God's called us to be as parents. Um, Emily, should we borrow money? Okay, should we borrow money? I just wanted to say one little thing about saving real quick before we move on. If your kids have everything and they never have to save for anything or wait for anything, they're never going to learn to save for anything or wait for anything, you know? And so I'm not looking at any parents in this room. I really don't think it's a problem in this room. But I, we, we have a lot of kids. There's a, one house specifically in our neighborhood. It's the house where, the, like, everything. The house has everything, you know? And so it's hard to teach your kids to save and wait if they have everything. So that's one thing we've really noticed with our kids because we are sort of countercultural as far as that goes. Absolutely. <laughs> I r do you run a tight ship? But our kids don't have a lot, but they know how to save yeah. for what they really and want. And even practically speaking, I'm going to come over. You're coming over me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even practically speaking, you know, like, I mean, I've got all the numbers on here, right, parents? We could talk about, okay, if you save $1,000 a year from the time you're 40 to 65 versus 30 to 65 and the $1,000 and making twice as much. We could talk about that. But for most of the kids in the room, right, that's going to be a little overheads for us. And we do things as bad. I'm now, again, 
not thus saith the Lord, but thus saith Matt. I'm not above bribing my kids, right, like playing games with my kids. I try to teach them the things that I believe that we're supposed to teach as parents. And so there have been times that dad, I've been said, hey, listen, if that thing that you want, it's a good thing that you want. It's not a remote control car from five below that's going to break the moment. It's actually already broken in the box. You just don't know it yet, right? <laughs> like it's a great thing that you want to have. However, if you don't buy it today, I'll give you two more dollars on Friday. And that can, then we start talking about saving and about interest. And it doesn't have to be a compound interest where they have to get $1,000 in the bank. They have to look and they never get to touch it until they're 18 or going to college. Because when you're six, that's hard to learn that lesson. It's hard to learn that lesson now at 40 years old with the money I have in the bank and doing things for me. But how can we as parents begin to teach them these things through practical ways so then that they want to do other desires of their heart versus because mom and dad told me so? All right, going back to it. Should we borrow? Yes, should we borrow? We're going to discuss, actually, real quick, take two minutes, and there are probably several different answers um, in this room to should you ever borrow money. And, you know, we all probably are familiar with Dave Ramsey who says never, ever borrow. You never need to borrow. Never borrow. Um, And that's a very valid viewpoint. Um, So the question we're going to discuss for two minutes right now is when is the right time or situation to borrow money and why? So is there a right time? If there is, when is it? And why would it be? So take two minutes and discuss. One minute. One minute. All right, we're going to wrap this up, and I'm actually going to start us out with another question. Who can tell me what a loan is? What is a loan? Gus, what is a loan? It's where, like, the bank gives you money, and then over time you pay it off. And when you pay it off, do you just pay it back? The bank's just so nice. They just like you, Gus. They give you money, and then later on you give it back to them? Uh, you have to give it back. Like, there's no getting around it. you got to get it, give it back, and... If you borrow too much, then you still have to pay it back, and you can get in a lot of debt trouble if you don't, like, save. Okay, that's very true, Gus. Gus is missing one little part to that answer, right? How does the bank make money? When they loan you money and then you pay it back, how do they come out ahead? You have to pay interest, which is about 4% of what you uh, pay or borrowed. So, yeah, we're going to pay a 4% interest rate. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's maybe houses about now. Actually, it might be less than that. Um, so, yeah, a 4% interest rate is pretty good. So a loan can be from a bank, like Gus said. It can also be from your big sister, right? A loan is just when you borrow anything from anybody, right? I can loan you my CD player, right? I could loan you Something. CD, pl- CD player is not cool. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> whatever. They make those anymore? I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so a loan is just when something is borrowed. And then when let's talk about, for just a second, interest, which is what Wesley said. When you 
borrow money, you normally pay it back with interest. Does anybody know what the average interest rate is on a credit card? I actually looked this up. But average interest rate for a credit card right now. Does anybody know? 18.5%. Yes, 18.5% is the average. Now, it does include fees, and but 18.5%. So just run the numbers. Bo, if you bought a bike for $100, you really want this $100 bike, but you don't have the $100 saved. So instead, you put it on a credit card. If you were to pay it off one month later, instead of paying $100 for the bike, you would have to pay $118 for the bike, right? $118.50? Okay, now, let's say you don't have the money yet, or not all of the money. By month two, that bike is going to cost you $139.24. By month three, it's $164.32. And by month four, $194.80, you're paying almost double the price of the bike. And even if you're paying, say your allowance is $20, and every month you're taking the $20 you have and putting it towards the payment on this bike, are you actually really paying off any of the bike? You're pretty much just paying the interest that you have to pay on top of it because you borrowed the money instead of saving for it in the first place. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah, yeah do we all understand that? Okay, so what I would like to do is come up with three pros to borrowing money and three cons to borrowing money. So loans, are they worth it? Can anybody give me a pro? Is there ever a good time to borrow money? Is there ever a positive reason to borrow money? Buying a house. Okay, buying a house right now with interest rates. Yeah, you're hardly going to pay any interest. And what's happening to the house? Appreciation. As you own the house, it's going to be worth more and more and more and more, right? So that's a that's one example when you're buying, when you're borrowing money for something that's going to make you money. Okay, that's one example. Okay, can anybody come up with a con? The bad thing, probably you have sometimes you have to pay back, and as you were just saying, it gets more, it adds more money each month, right? Exactly. Yeah. You end up paying way more than maybe what you originally wanted to pay in the first place. Now, let's say you borrow money from your big sister, okay? Every time you see that big sister, what do you think she's going to be saying to you? If you borrow money from your big sister, Sunny, when you see Bo, what's she going to be saying to you? <laughs> okay, it's the opposite. So, Bo, when you borrow money from your little sister, when you see her, what is she saying to you? Pay up. Where's my money? I want my money. <laughs> I love it. Before. It has happened before. We know when we borrow money, even from a, if it's from a family member, it can make relationships awkward, and it just feels like this weight that you're carrying around, right? It feels like a weight that you're carrying around. Okay, I think I'm probably about out of time, but you can continue to talk about this at home. What are some pros about borrowing money, and is there ever a good time, and then what would some cons be? So, Matt, credit? You can kind of take it from here. I mean... I'll let you take it from here. Sweet. Yeah. Love it. I think Emily intentionally stuck me with this piece of tonight because marrying me was the worst financial decision that Emily has ever made. It was. So when Emily and I got married, she had a job. Actually, she had multiple job offers coming out of college. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I had changed my major five times. I didn't even like the, the two degrees that I had. I actually stayed a whole extra semester of college just to hang out with this cute girl that was a little younger than me, avoid real life. She had a car that was fully paid for. I had a car that was 
duct tape and lots of love and prayer over it every single time. I had no job. She had no college debt. I had like $100,000. You name it, it was bad. And here's why I said, and some of the kids are looking at me like, what is he even talking? Here's where it all started for me. No one ever talked to me about credit when I got to college. Right? Now, I say no one. I don't remember. Maybe my parents had this conversation when I was on the dinner table. I knew better than my dad, and I didn't listen. I don't know. But I got to college with no understanding, except I will never forget the day that I walk onto my college campus. There was a big old tent that I got a free T-shirt, and I got this little card that had $2,000 for me to spend any way I wanted to. And after one year, then I could pay it back. But for one year, they told me I didn't have to pay any of it back. You like borrowing money, correct, Bo? But what if I said, I'm going to give you $100, and for one year, you don't have to pay it back. Would you be interested in that $100? Why not? For a whole year, Bo, a whole year. She's like, there's a catch. There's an adult asking me this question. There's a catch somewhere. Right? And so that's where I got into trouble because I thought, mm, because you came to this class, right? Oh, yes, I like it. I like it. And so, but then for me, as a, from the time I was like 18 to about 23, 24, I went from no understanding of credit to credit is bad. It's just bad. That's all it is. You should not have credit. You should not do it. It ruins you, this whole thing. And then I started to get out of college and realized I also like to own a house, right? I want to borrow money to, to own a house. And so the first time I went to the bank to own a house, I was so glad I was married to her, right? Kids, the person you spend your life with matters. In fact, one of my college professors said the one thing you should do before going on a date is run the other person's credit. Not before proposing, before dating, right? Um, and so, but here's what I've understood. As a dad, as a parent, I think we need to, un- to help teach our kids the benefits and the negatives of these credit situations. You know, it's great because my credit right now is not where it was. It's a, it's a lot different place, and it's so cool because now all of a sudden when, when my kids say, well, you know, when recently, you know, a bank basically called and said, hey, would you love to have $10,000? So, sure, I'd love to have. Gus, would you love $10,000? Yeah, absolutely. Who doesn't, right? And it was great. And so, but then I went to the, my bow mindset, which was, what's the catch, right? But right now, with interest rates and different things in the economy, they're just they're looking for ways to get more involved. And I was thinking, man, all of a sudden, I have this lower interest rate, I have this extra money, and now I can do more for myself. And so, I think so many times as parents, we miss out because we've messed up, we've fallen short, we've made mistakes. And instead of helping prepare our kids to make better decisions than us. We just help teach them how to avoid the same mistakes that we made. And so I think that's really, really powerful um, for us to teach them just with credit. It's not always a bad thing. It can be a good thing. And even working through them with that. You know, hey, again, I'm not going to point at which child in the room this is. But there's been a point where some of my children have been out of money at some point during the month. And they really want something. Okay, great. That thing that you want is $4. And you have $10 coming in two weeks. I will buy that thing for you now for $4, but in two weeks you have to give me five instead of four. Well, it's only $4. Well, yeah, but you want it now, and you don't have the money for it right now. I don't have to use the word credit to teach my kids what credit really is. And so I think helping his parents, again, just these practical ways of being to, to learn these lessons so they're not like me, and I think maybe Jake has so much experience of standing at a discovered card tent, getting a free T-shirt, and ruining the next 12 years of my life with my credit as we went through. Emily. He's making it sound worse than it really was. Was it that bad? My memory's a little better than yeah, yours. Yeah, so it probably ahead. is. That's true. <laughs> um, all right. Got it. Well, we're going to wrap up with debt, how to eliminate it. So, kids, here's the first thing. 
don't get yourself in trouble with debt. Guess what? If you never get yourself in trouble with debt, you never have to worry about how to get rid of it, okay? But if you do find yourself in trouble with debt to a sibling or a credit card company, <laughs> hopefully not at this point, um, the best option is just to get rid of it as quickly as you can. And um, I'm sure some of you adults in the room have heard about the snowball method. I don't think we need to you know, get into that here. But basically, you just list your debts from lowest balance to highest balance. Ignore the interest rate. Get rid of the lowest balance. And then take whatever you were paying towards that lowest balance. Apply it to the second smallest balance, and then it will quickly, um, you can eliminate debt and pay less interest overall instead of just fo focusing on the highest interest rate first. Um, I think that's all I'm going to say about that for now because I think you guys all know what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, so our last, the one thing. Is that me? Okay. So our question here is what do I need to consider before borrowing money? So kids, we're not saying there's never a chance or never a time to borrow money. What I think we miss sometimes is asking all the questions. How, what am I going to do with this money? Is this money that I'm borrowing going to make me more money? Is this money that I'm borrowing just to give me something that I want and haven't saved for? How is this money that I'm borrowing going to make me feel? How is this money going to make others around me feel? How is this money that I'm borrowing, um, am I in a position to pay it back responsibly? Uh, so anyways, the question for your one thing that you're going to think about for just a second is what do I need to consider before borrowing money? So that is your question. We're going to give you about a minute to chat, but what do I need to consider before borrowing money? All right, 30 seconds. No, you ready? 
All right, so Noah is actually going to teach us this last section. He doesn't even know it yet. Noah, you ready? I like it. No haircut like that. You've got to know everything about investing. I like it. Um, let's just do this. Let's, let's pull the audience a little bit. Um, what are some different ways that you can invest your money? What are some different ways? Anybody have any ideas? Raise your hand if you have an idea. What's one way, like, what's something you do with your money to make more money? That's really what investing is. What can I do with my money to make more? Addy, what do you think? Ooh, houses. I've heard that's a great way to invest, right, to own multiple properties. I like that. What else? Mm, real estate. I like it. got another real estate. Another real estate. Yes, Gus. Ooh, so lawn mowing or maybe like starting a business. So, Gus, if you're going to start lawn mowing, how are you investing in that, right? You probably some purchases to buy up front. I like it, right? Starting a business, that's another way. Boyce. You got it? All right, we'll come back to you if you can think of it. No, what do you got? The stock market. That's a great place to invest your money. Sonny, what else? A car. We'll have a follow-up conversation, Sonny. I like your answer. So listen, so listen. Here, pound. Hey, give me. Knuckles. So Sonny, here's the thing. So Sonny, Sonny, listen. Most of the people in this room would tell you that cars are a bad investment because they depreciate, which means once you own it, it's worth less. However, this guy right here for 10 years made money on every car he bought. So you can find ways to do it, but it's a lot harder. Lawn mowing business, you can do a little better investing there. What else? Oh, I like that. Breeding bunnies, another kind of way to uh, make money. What else? Mm, there you go. <laughs> Sneakerhead. I like that one right there. Sneakerhead. One more. Uh, one thing to it is yourself journaling around your area. Um, having to have a fun little chunk of your day every day that you can basically like say your Instagram famous for like what you're doing. Mm. I like it. YouTube famous. Uh, influencer on Instagram. I like it. Yeah. There you go. I like it. And so, parents, what we've all seen right here is our kids have already proven our point on number one, to start early when it comes to talk about investing. And, parents, I'm sure some of you noticed this. Um, start early was number one for investing and saving. And MI did that intentionally. We have to teach our kids early and young how important it is to save and how important it is to invest as we can do that. So what are we investing in? Actually, I'll give you a quick example. So Olivia, who just joined us, she's our 13-year-old sitting there in the back. Um, she decided that she wanted to have a, Olivia, a soap business. Is that the right way to say it? Right? She was going to make soaps, different things, and sell them. Mm, soup, right there. And so she said, Dad, if I start making soaps and I need to buy essential oils and different things, how much money will I make? And I said, well, Olivia, I actually have no idea. Like, you're asking the wrong guy. You know, I shower when I need to versus all the time, right? Like, I don't know. And she said, well, how can I figure it out? I said, well, why don't you figure out how much you charge people to buy your soaps, and then why don't we make a list of everything you need to buy and how much it would be. And so she didn't. She's like, well, Dad, I don't know. I can sell my soap for about, I don't remember the number, let's say $5 each. She goes, but, Dad, there's like $50 worth of ingredients. I said, well, Olivia, all $50 go towards one bar of soap. 
She's like, no, I have no idea how many bars of soap. And so it was interesting. We had this conversation over a couple of days. Each evening, she'd check in with me and tell me how she was doing. And at the end of the week, I was like, babe, we should start our own soap business because there's lots of margin in the soap business. And so it was really cool because that's nothing I would have ever told her to do. Hey, Olivia, if you want to make extra money, go start a soap business. Um, it's something I never would have learned about or, or taken the research to do. But just by her, like, having this desire in her heart at a young age, now all of a sudden she's learned things, she's going to experiment with things, and now we can learn and grow together. Um, and I'm definitely going to buy part of the uh, stake in that company she goes through. Um, so I think in starting early for us as parents is just educating. Like the priority is to educate. And even moving into number two with start simple. So kids, if you're taking notes, number one is start early. Number two is start simple. I mean, I think everything that we as parents need to know, we probably learned from a Cosby show episode back in the 80s um, with, our, uh, with the money from the Monopoly game when Bill Cosby was talking to Theo. Um, and so that's why I say, like, Emily has taught economics for a decade or so, lots of time. And one of the best things that she does with her economics class every year, she has them invest in the stock market. And so even this year, she has one student. How old is he? What grade is he in? 16, 17. And so at the beginning of the, of the school year, he started with $10,000 of fake money, um, which I wish I would actually given him $10,000 because he's up over $300,000 in the stock market. And so he did his research, and he invested in Tesla, and then he was early on the GameStop situation and got out. And so as, a, as the teacher, she has them go through and write down when they buy it, when they take it out, and all of a sudden, every week, they're checking in. And so, I mean, I thought for the longest time, even though I knew she did that with the students in her class, I was thinking, man, how can we teach our kids to invest? How can we? Well, she's already doing it with, with all of these individuals, right? And those are the things that we as adults did not probably learn in high school that would have been so helpful, but now our kids, again, are going to be so much more prepared. And so starting simple is, what can we do today? How can we find ways to invest? Can we maybe include them if we have a, you know, a business where we breed dogs, let's say? Can we include our kids on some of those conversations where they understand the process and what we're doing? Or maybe it's investing into them and what they want to do, or maybe it's just some fake money um, that they play around with. Uh, actually, it was really interesting because another one of Emily's students shared a story with her that her dad, his, his or her, I don't remember, the student's dad really wanted a Tesla like wanted it and was having the conversation with his wife about buying a Tesla. And basically I said this, hey, if you can make enough money in the stock market, you can buy a Tesla. So he bought a Tesla with all the money he made from purchasing Tesla. And it was just a conversation with his kids and what should we do and how should we do this. And all of a sudden, now his kids are learning through his own experiences of where you can benefit from investing and doing different things. Um, Emily, what else do you have? Number three is make it a habit. So make it a habit. Again, that goes back to automated, I think. Um, I do not have time to check the stock market every day. I do not have time to mess with it. I, I do not have time. I keep telling Matt to do that because I think he'd be good at it. But I don't have time. So what we do is, again, we have automated investments pulled out. We have somebody else that watches it for us. And so um, I think having it happen automatically, making it that habit, just makes it really easy. I did notice that Greenlight actually just started an investing thing, but it costs. So I was like, Meh, I don't know about that. But I just think, and again, automatic savings can be different from automatic investing. You can have both, investing for long-term and automatic savings for more of short-term needs. Nice. I like it. All right, let's do this. We're going to talk about our one thing as groups, and then we're going to wrap up together as a big group. So here's our question, our one thing on investing. And I would say this would be, um, kids, this question is really for you. And maybe parents, maybe we steal some of their ideas on this. But kids, think right now, what is one thing that you would like to invest in? Maybe it's a lawnmower company or a stinky cat, grumpy cat, some kind of other animal we want to purchase. 
what is something that you think would be fun to do to make money that you want to spend some time this week learning more about? Have that conversation with your parents and write down on your sheet of paper what that thing would be. Go ahead and do that right now. Okay. All right, you guys, we are going to wrap it up. Yes, Bo. Oh, you're good. Okay. Oh, you want to you want to share your answer? Great. Tell us, Bo. What's your answer? My dad does graphic designing. Yeah, so we thought, have you ever heard of Etsy? We thought we could sell like birthday card things or invitations and stuff on that. scratch my mom's back. <laughs> hey, I think that's more of a job, but I think that would be a great job. I love it. I love it. EJ, you have an investing idea? Um, people can pay me to um, take care of my gun if I have one. Okay, <laughs> got it. So you're going to have, okay, I got it. All right, boys. <laughs> doing like daycare, I could do pet care and take pets for the day. So we're thinking of jobs, which is great. Gabrielle? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're looking for an investment. We have one, somebody you want to close us out with a good investment? Not a job, an investment where you're taking your money and using it to make more money. A lawn mowing, like, kind of company, I guess. Because you end up making more money by getting stuff because you spent that money to get the stuff. Okay, Sunny, wrap us up. Doing like a lemonade stand thing. Okay. Well, you would have to spend money on the stuff for lemonade. So yeah. 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 Okay, Gabby, I'm ready for you. Um. <laughs> 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 Wait, where's Dave?
Wait. <laughs> I forgot what you said. Gabby, tell me if you tell me if you think of it. We are going to wrap this up. We're going to have. <laughs> um, we're going to finish up with a question and answer time. But just before we do, I just want to say that, you know, Matt and I have learned so much about money. Like he said, he learned nothing, really, growing up about money. And I learned do not ever spend any money and work really hard and save every penny you have. And that's what I learned. And never take a risk. And so we came from very different places. And we just feel like the Lord has absolutely walked us through our life. And when we look at our life now, we just think, how in the world did we get here? Nothing but the grace of God. And so we're so thankful for the grace of God in our lives. And even, like, I mean, the investing early in the compound interest, man, I wish I would have invested earlier, you know? Um, you look back and you think, shoot, like, we blew it. We should have been investing more earlier. And so even, but even when you make mistakes, I feel like it's really easy to look back and say, well, we could have done this and we could have done this. But I think it's so great to be able to look back and say, even though I have not been perfect, God has been faithful. And we can just trust in his character and, again, hopefully educate our kids to move forward with more information than we had. So, um, yes, ma'am. Stephanie, question. I mean, we tell our kids everything. Like, really, they they know. I mean, yeah, they absolutely know. And <laughs> I was, <Enough>? we, <laughs> I know, <laughs> enough. I mean, that's a good answer. I mean, you don't want your, I think when your kid is old enough to handle information with the right spirit, then your kid is old enough to handle the information. So if, if you want your kid walking around saying, well, my dad makes this much money, like, no, that's not what you want. So then they're probably not ready for that information, you know. But when they're ready for the information and have a humble spirit and you feel like can be responsible with the information, then I think it's good to share it with them. Actually, our kids, I was <laughs> Olivia and I were talking about on the way here, like almost everything we're doing these days, like our kids are a part of it. Like I teach kids all day. And my kids are right in the middle of it. You know, Matt's like doing more training that our kids have been more involved in. We put our house on Airbnb. And let me tell you, that's like a family. <laughs> the whole house has to get cleaned and everybody's bed needs to be made. I mean, it's like a family thing. And so we all work together and our kids work hard and they know what they're working for. You know? You know, so probably as many families are in the room right now, we'd have different levels of comfort of what we share with our kids. I don't think there's one perfect level. I know we as a family are going to more share too much at times, and we've learned from that. Um, not necessarily with finance, but some other areas of life, um, especially with social justice, some of the things that went on recently in the last six to eight months. Showing, I was showing the kids the videos of some of the just the, the heinous things that were going on, and then Elizabeth, who I love so much, didn't sleep for about three nights because I showed her things that she was not ready to see yet. Um, but we, where we have fallen is we would rather clean up that mess 
then them have no idea about what's going on around them and what we're dealing with. And so if we have to clean up. And there's plenty of times where we'll have a conversation, hey, listen, this is a family conversation only. And there's a couple of kids within our foursome that if we have those conversations, we typically don't even have, don't even tell them the first time because it doesn't matter if we say family conversation or not, the neighbors will know by 3 o'clock the next afternoon, right? Because it's just they love sharing what's going on. And so for us, the older they get, the more our life becomes that open book um, for them to help them go through what they're going through. What other questions? Kids, parents, what else do we want to talk about? Things that were talked about tonight or said that you have a question about. I think where we fall a lot is more in the, like, um, like these, these sheets of building a budget, right? Not an actual tangible physical money, but what are different ways, whether it be with, um, like, the economics class of, of doing the stock market. Um, or even, you know, we actually, where we have invested a lot, um, not on purpose in the beginning of our lives, but now, is in real estate. And so our kids are aware of a lot of what's going on with the different houses that we own. And when renters are, one of our renters got laid off today, you know, so that's the conversation we have with our kids. Hey, okay, now we have, to, we have to make a backup plan because they're good for March, but we don't know if she's good for April. And she told us that today. And so, okay, kids, what do you think we should do? And so I think sometimes she's allowed them to be a part of the conversation. Um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything to add on that? Yes, ma'am, EJ. All right, why don't you think about your question? We can talk about it later. I love it. Any other questions? Mm, that's good. Yeah, and investing your time and help them understand how to invest their time. That's really good. Mm -hmm. It is, and I'll tell you, we, um, a couple of years ago, we switched over from Emily's um, Excel spreadsheet of our budget over to Mint. And that's been great just for us with what we see all the time and even what we can show. And they've got some great um, infographics and different things that we can show our kids. And even um, I know these two sheets that we print off were from some of the financial helps and resources that Mint has for kids. And so if you're interested in any of that stuff, um, I mean, you can find it on their website. We actually pulled all of their resources off, and we have them. So it's much simpler for us just to email you all that stuff if you don't want to go through their website. So it's very age and stage appropriate to talk about finances and to have these conversations where, again, like with my upbringing, my background, I didn't even know where to start. All I knew was growing up most of the time, like I didn't realize until I was married and Emily was making meals for us that it wasn't normal for every family to have either spaghetti or peanut butter sandwiches every night for dinner. You know, that's the, this is the world that I grew up in. And so, okay, so while I wasn't prepared to have those conversations just because of where I was raised and the situation I was brought up in, well, that doesn't mean as a dad that, that gets me off the hook from teaching that to my kids. And how can we find the ways to, to bring that in between? Yeah. Wesley, what question do you have? You already know it all? I love it. Sweet. I actually have one verse I'm going to read, and then we'll pray to be done. Um, the last verse I want to close with is Deuteronomy 
And I think Deuteronomy, for me at least, is one of those books I don't read very often because there's a lot of stuff I'm like, does that even apply to me anymore? And what is it? Yeah. But when I was reading through what some different, um, just, I actually just Googled Bible verses about finances. I just wanted to read through and see what different people said or did and just get an understanding, what am I missing? And this verse is really cool because we know that God is our source that he provides. But I think this verse is great for our kids. It's one that I know um, if Emily's open to it, we'll start using it with our kids too. So Deuteronomy 8.18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. And I thought that was a really, really powerful thing about finances. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Right? It's, it's, it's God's promise to us and his intention for us. I'm not saying to be, like, rich and, and like, just having all this money in the world. But wealth can just even be having your daily needs covered. How many people in this world don't have their daily needs covered? And if that's his intention, that's his covenant to us. And we know through how many stories in the Bible where God has taken care of needs. And even in this room, we could probably fill a book with stories of how God has provided supernaturally for our financial needs. And so setting that tone with our kids is just going to open up to them to what God has for them as well. Emily, we pray for us before we go. I will. That we didn't talk about Matt reading that scripture, but that scripture from Deuteronomy eight—that's one of my favorite. I feel like it's been my life chapters, and it's the context of that is when the God has just brought the Israelites through um, the wilderness, and they're about to enter His promised land, and He's saying, "Don't forget that it's God who has done this for you. Like you have not done this for yourself. God has done this for you." And I feel like that's a place again where we just rest all the time. You know, we just know that God has done. Um, great things for us. So that's, I love that verse. All right, well, let's pray, and it's 8 o'clock. You guys ready? Lord, we just thank you so much for your faithfulness to us, to our families, to the families that are represented here. Lord, we ask for your wisdom to continue to teach our kids um, what you've taught us and what you've revealed to us and the situations that you've walked us through. And we just pray that as we do that, your name will be glorified, that your name will be lifted up. Father, and we just thank you and praise you again for your faithfulness to us, and we thank you that um, your faithfulness is big enough to cover all of our mistakes and all of our shortcomings. And, Lord, we just dedicate um, our lives and our resources to you. We know that you are our source, and thank you for being a generous and a good God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.